God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this King of Kings Sunday. We live in turbulent times. It's confusing. I don't even know what to preach about. What do I say to a congregation when we're struggling in the culture today? The culture isn't what it used to be. We're frustrated, maybe. I don't even want to hear the news anymore. I'm tired of hearing it. I thought maybe after the election we could have some peace, but no, we're not. It's still this division, and it's still confusing. But then we come to the end of the church here, and this gives us some hope. We can find hope in Jesus Christ. The last Sunday of the church year was set aside by our early church fathers to bring the, to the conclusion of the life of Christ. See, the church year was made to help us worship. And that's why the white on the altar, it's a celebration of Christ the King who lives in heaven and reigns over the world and he shall return again. But he's a strange king. But he is King of kings and Lord of lords. As I said at the beginning, next Sunday's Advent and we go back to start the cycle over again. The new church year, we start with Jesus born of Bethlehem. We start with the prophecies and the birth of Christ on Christmas Eve and go back through the life cycle of Jesus and the life cycle of the Christian who lives out his life and her life in the world. So let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, in this last Sunday of the church year, we're thankful we can come to you as King of kings and Lord of lords in these turbulent times in which we live and the confusion that may be there in our hearts and minds. Help us to live in love and speak love and be the people we're called to be as Christians, worshiping you, crowning you, Lord of all. Hear us, Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Obviously, we all know who the 45th president of the United States is going to be. Whether we voted for him or not, it will be Donald Trump, the 45th president. But who's the king of kings? Who? Jesus, right? Jesus is the king of kings. Now let me ask you this question. How many know this? Some of you may know this. Who was the 35th president of the United States? Anybody know? Nobody knows who the 35th president of the United States was. You lived, most of you, some of you were alive then. Most of, I guess everybody in this first service probably was. The 35th president of the United States was John F. Kennedy. But then, who was king of kings? Jesus. Now, see if anybody knows this. Who was the 25th president of the United States? Anybody know that? Did somebody say it? I... William McKinley. You all knew that, didn't you? Just didn't want to say it. But back then, who was the king of kings? Jesus. Jesus. Who will be the 55th president of the United States? We don't know. Maybe there won't even be one. Who knows? But we do know who will be the king of kings? Jesus. Jesus, right. So who is this king of kings and this lord of lords that we're talking about on this last Sunday of the church here? Well, today's gospel gives us an insight into this king, but boy, that's a frustrating gospel to walk out a king. I mean, it's about a king on a cross, about two criminals hanging beside him. There's a sign that says king of the Jews 
Yeah, he's a king, supposedly, that Pilate says he is. At least he claimed that, but that's not exactly, of course, what Jesus meant. But these criminals are there. And one criminal ridicules him, and the other criminal says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Ah, isn't that interesting? He said kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to the criminal hanging there on the cross, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Amazing. Yes, he'll be with him in paradise when he dies, but he's got to go through the suffering. He doesn't get off the cross. He's got to hang there. His legs will be broken. He will suffer death. But then he will be in paradise. You see, at the cross, Jesus was suffering. And when they ridiculed him and says, come on down off the cross and show us you the Son of God, Jesus kept on the cross because he was winning the greatest victory of all. And why we call him King of Kings and Lord of Lords today and crown him Lord of all. It was there on the cross that he took care of your sin and my sin. Our rebellion against God, our iniquity was taken care of. And you heard Pastor Wall pronounce the forgiveness of sins to you today. He was defeating there on the cross the death and hell. We don't have to go to hell and suffer eternal death and hell. He was defeating Satan, the archenemy of God. We will be in paradise with him also. That's the promise. Then comes the question that we struggle with maybe. Maybe some of you do, maybe some of you don't. But have I done enough have I done enough for Jesus to tell me I'll be with him in paradise? Has he done enough for me? Or maybe there's something I need to do? What about those two questions? I ran across an interesting survey done by Group Ministry, which is run by, and the chairman of that is a Lutheran. And they did a survey of teens, Christian teens, And here's a statement they gave to the teens. Being a Christian is really about trying harder to be a better person. Now, what do you think about that statement? Would you say, yeah, there's some truth in that? Being a Christian is really about trying harder to be a better person? Interestingly enough, in the survey, 84% said the statement was always or sometimes true. It's not true. Something's going wrong in the church. What's happening in our Sunday schools? Are we getting the point across? Sunday school teachers, this is a reminder of what we're to teach. What about in confirmation? Are the kids learning what they're supposed to be able to tell us, but they can't? They don't know? 84%? Think we've got to earn our way somehow to pay the way? We've got to try to be good enough? Have I done enough? To get to heaven? No, absolutely not. You know, you have not. We are sinners and fall short of the grace of God. No one gets into heaven by our good works. Has Jesus done enough? Or don't we have to contribute just a little bit? The answer is yes, he has done enough. It's in Christ alone. A few weeks ago, at the 10th anniversary celebration you had for Maxie and I being here, you gave us a plaque. In Christ alone, my hope is found. We've got it hanging in the house. It reminds us. 
In Christ alone my hope is found. In Christ alone was the theme of the youth gathering we attended this summer. You see, Jesus speaks to you and to me in this last Sunday of the church year, just as he spoke to that criminal on the cross. He calls us by name in our baptism. When you came to the baptismal font, you were baptized, your name was called, and then you were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He feeds us at the altar this morning. You're going to take his body and blood given for you for the forgiveness of your sins, to give you a strength in your faith, and to reassure you that you will go to heaven when this life is over. No guarantee how, you're going to, how long it's going to, painful it's going to be to get there. Remember the women in the gospel lesson? They were crying and weeping, and Jesus said, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. There's trouble coming. But they would go to paradise. But they had to live their life out. He died for me. He forgives me. He has transformed me from darkness to light. Did you get that in the epistle lesson? Paul wrote that in the epistle lesson today that you heard the very first sentence of that epistle lesson today. He transferred you and me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Crown him lord of all. So are you important? Are you an important person? Yes, because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and for me. So look to Jesus, the king on a cross. Strange place to find a king. But it's there that he rescues you and brings you into his kingdom. Just as he brought that criminal and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But in this whole situation in which we live and celebrate as a Christian church, the King of Kings Sunday, I'd just like to say a couple of words about how we live in this kingdom of God that we are in now and will continue to go and come to the ultimate kingdom in heaven. Too many people are hurting each other by their words, by what they say and do. I saw a quote, and it got me thinking too, because if you're over 40, you'll understand this. If you're under 40, think about this. It said, people under 40 in our society have never lived when movie language was not liberally laced with obscenities. If you're 40 and younger, you go to the movie, it's full of obscenities, or television, or music. There's there. If you're over 40, remember those days when you could go to the movie theater and not hear any cursing or obscenities, and you wouldn't see any nudity? And now we're plagued with it. Culture has changed. I've seen it change over the years of my ministry. You see, profanity is rapidly being the language of people. But profanity, profanity is the language of violence. Words can hurt you. People say words can't hurt me. Yes, they can. They dehumanize us. In war, when the soldiers go out to fight battle, they don't say, I'm going to go out and kill my brother and my sister or child of God. No, they talk about the enemy, how 
terrible that enemy is, and they must be destroyed. Words today hurt. They dehumanize us. They can make life cheap and ugly. If you use them, they will affect your life and the life of those around you. And we hear it so much today in the political realm. Both sides. It's disgusting. And it's not right. And it's not Christian. But there are words that heal. And that's what the New Testament Paul writes about. There are words that we can share and praise God and celebrate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Words that build, words that heal, words that unite, words that redeem, words that share forgiveness, words that share peace. Words that say, and here, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. When we hear Jesus telling us that. Jesus did it for the criminal on the cross. He did it for you. He did it for me. He became King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For you, for me. We might live forever with him in heaven. I want to cross an illustration I want to share with you. The Archbishop of Paris was preaching in Notre Dame one day in Paris, in the big cathedral. And he said to the congregation, I want to share a story with you. He says, 30 years ago, three young tourists came into the cathedral. Three young men. Rough men, He said they were rude and they were cynical. Religion to them was a racket. But they came into Notre Dame Cathedral and two of them said to the third one, hey, why don't you make up a confession? Make it really juicy and good and go into the confessional booth and tell the priest your sins and see what he says. You know, have some fun with the priest. So one of the young men said, okay, I'll do it. So he went into the confessional booth and he confessed some real, some gross sins. He tried to fool the priest. But the priest was a wise old priest and he knew this was the arrogant young man and he knew that this man, this young man, was trying to fool him. So after he got through his confession, the priest said, you know, when you do a confession, you have to do penance, because that was the requirement, of course, in the church, in the Catholic Church. You've got to go do something, like say so many Hail Marys, or say so many Lord Prayers, or do something. So the priest said to the young man, go to the chapel now for your penance. Stand before the crucifix. Look into the face of the crucified Christ. And say to him, all this you did for me, and I don't give a damn. Well, he came out of the confessional booth and he told the other two what he was supposed to do and he said, I'm not going to do it. And they said, oh no, you've got to go do it. You've got to carry out. You said you would do this. The other two forced him to do it. So he went into the chapel. He looked up at the face of Christ and he said, all this you did for me and I, I, I don't give a, And he couldn't go any further. At this point, 
in the story, the archbishop leaned over the pulpit and said, that very man was this man who stands before you today to preach. That's the miracle of the cross. That's the miracle of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, when we've come to face to face with Jesus, we want to change our relationship with God. We cannot remain the same. We can't when we come to Jesus. Because we want God at the center. And that's why the church celebrates Christ the King Sunday, to center our lives on Him, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And then that means we treat each other in love. Love becomes the key component of how we live and how we minister to one another. So how will our life end? When will it end? We don't know. But how will your story end? Remember the criminal on the cross, or his cross, he's heard Jesus say some encouraging words to him. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. So let's crown him with many crowns. Crown him Lord of all. Amen.